0: We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier and I'm here as always. with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, Scott, how are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Excited for today's conversation. We're bringing back one of the most robust, profound pillars of our fasting research that we've come across and it is an original research paper that really had some just incredible provider action steps and clinical pieces to it that we need to come back and talk about it again and we're going to take a little bit different approach today and when we're going through this this is a big lift it's a heavy article it has clinical protocols in it that reaffirm what it is that we do and what we see in the changes with our clients inside of our coaching. But I want to highlight Dr. David Unwin and his wife, Dr. Jen Unwin, and this is something I saw on Twitter. He's at low carb GP and his story is really cool. But before I get into his story and the accolades that I saw coming across my Twitter feed or no, I guess it's now called X. That's how much that's how often I use Twitter. So do you not tweet anymore? (laughs) Like, what do you do? Do you X? Like, I don't understand. I'm totally, Mm. I'm archaic here. So we'll just pretend that didn't happen. Come back. I want to welcome in all the new (laughs) listeners to the podcast. If you are new, head back to episode one. Hear more about our story and our journey and why we do this week in and week out and why we are on the path to pulling people out of the matrix giving you the red pill encouraging you that you have an option when it comes to weight loss and fasting and health and diabetes reversal which we're going to talk about today Mm. that you have control there is another way through the tried and true art of fasting and making fasting a lifestyle through that adaptation process you have joined us so grateful that you're here and allowing us to be part of your fasting journey a shout out to the ogs you weekly listeners you subscribers you downloaders we are so happy that you are on this journey with us as well we are grateful for you being part um, of of our fasting journey too so tommy dr david unwin this was from a post that i saw on x we did it the highest ever altmetric score for any paper in the british medical journal of nutrition so here Uh, it is here we go. Drum roll. A paper about <laughs> low carb is the most popular paper they have ever published. Wow. I'm so happy and proud. Thanks to fellow authors at Jen n one at doc runner one and at Chris DLDN wow. and Professor Roy Taylor. So I didn't see
1: that one coming though. If you would have said like, Hey, what's going to be the most popular article ever published? Yeah, I don't know what I would have said, but I probably wouldn't have said low carb though.
0: Right? Well, I am happy because this is one of my favorite articles that we've ever come across. And one of my the creator of the carnivore, or I shouldn't say the creator of the carnivore diet that's been around forever. The doc, Dr. Sean Baker, carnivore mm-hmm. MD, who wrote the book, he likes this account and follows it. So a couple hundred thousand likes from a post that was just about less than a week ago when we we're recording this episode. Oh. And the article is, what predicts drug-free type 2 diabetes remission? Insights from an eight-year general practice service evaluation of a lower carbohydrate diet with weight loss. And that is a mouthful. And we've talked about this this article in the past right diabetes mm-hmm. remission and what that tells me tommy that altmetric score tells me that there is an absolute need out there because of the diabetes epidemic and the pre-diabetes epidemic that we're experiencing yeah. with here in the states you know combining diagnosed diabetes around 30 million and undiagnosed and pre-diabetes up to 90 million we're talking you know over 120 to 130 million americans and we know that diabetes then leads to other cardiometabolic issues and heart disease and you know certain types of cancers and you've mm. got breathing problems and COPD and PCOS. And there's just a laundry list of stuff that comes along with, you know, that diagnosis or that pre-diagnosis of a blood sugar-related condition. So this doctor's story, Dr. David Owen's really cool. And it reminds me of Dr. Fung's story, Tommy, where so he's a British doctor, and in 2012, he was really kind of disheartened where he was like. He had a patient come in, and he said he nearly quit being a GP in 2012 because wow. he felt this sense of failure. And this is what you know, Dr. Fung alludes to in one of his books. I think it was mm-hmm. the Diabetes Code. No, the Obesity Code. Yes. Where he was looking at his his clinic, and he's like, okay, he's he's a nephrologist looking at dialysis and, and, renal and, disease and yeah, from, and stage yeah, real disease. Diabetes, and he's like, yeah. okay, the stuff I'm giving my patients isn't getting them better. So like, what am I doing wrong, right? And he he had this realization that it was the the recommendations that were wrong, and not the patient, right?
1: Sure. Yeah. So
0: he said in 2012 if i was really being honest with myself i felt i haven't made a difference i began to realize that what was wrong was that nobody looked any better the people i was seeing were sicker and fatter than ever before so he started doing a low carb lifestyle program and kept working as a gp and he had a patient that came in that really kind of pushed pushed the envelope here he wrote to her saying hey i'm concerned you're not taking your metformin and he was really inviting her into the clinic to have a what the heck are you doing? Kind of conversation. Right. But when the patient arrived for the console on one discovered, she had lost about three stone or 19 kilograms. Right. So a tremendous amount of weight wow. and put her like condition into remission. Yeah. 40 pounds wow. into remission on a, I mean, we use the, whatever the antiquated system here in the States, the yeah. Imperial system, right? Imperial. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, can we just go to metric? It's just easier. It's just decimals. Okay. But no yeah. over here, we gotta do the conversion. So yeah, 40, around 40 pounds. So she put her diabetes into remission on a low carb diet. And the cool thing about this study is that they, they saw improvements with and without weight loss across a broad spectrum of yeah. the time that you had diabetes as well. Yeah, that's a cool thing because it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to
1: fix necessarily everything together. You don't have to reach the finish line before you can see substantial improvements. That, that's, that's, that's something I feel like whether you've been dealing with diabetes or pre diabetes or some, something ticking up in the blood work that you need to start addressing, or it's just the weight that you can't seem to manage or get under control, or it just keeps creeping back as soon as you take your eye off the prize. It's like knowing that there's a lot of room for improvement even before the scale gets to exactly where you want it to be or before you burn through all of those long-term fat stores that can feel very, very frustrating over time. There is definitely a reason to do it and to start getting some of those things right. And I feel like this kind of uncovers some of those paths for us that can really start to get blurry. The more desperate, you get in your weight loss, or the longer you've tried to take the weight off, or the more attempts you've made, or the more money that you've spent on you know, high-level lab works and you know, nutrition nutritionist advice like you had and things like that. I mean, there's, there's a lot that you can do. There's a lot of mental energy and bandwidth that you can put towards all of these things. And if you're not seeing results, that can be very frustrating and very demotivating, very similarly to having long-term diabetes. And while watching that progress, even if it's slowly, rather than feeling like you're able to make progress on that.
0: And this is something Dr. Ohman said after that interaction or spoke to after that interaction that he had with that patient. He was like, she was hopping mad. You've given me metformin for 10 years and never once asked me about the side effects or gave me an alternative. Like I've now (laughs) learned about cutting carbs. I've lost weight. And now low carb is obviously a lot more prevalent now. And just showed that her blood test showed that her A1C was normal. And you know she was in drug-free remission from type 2 diabetes. So he said that she had done something that he didn't know was possible. And he started at that point and then working with his wife who Mm -hmm. specialized is in the food addiction side of things, which we're going to speak yep. to here in just a minute. But there's this feeling of frustration that he always saw diabetes as a chronic deteriorating condition requiring medication. And there was mm-hmm. really no curiosity or insight into what the cause is. And it really woke him up. He said he was sleepwalking in practice. Really, it woke him up from that. So the results are just absolutely incredible when you're looking at the percent of achieving remission, and they've done mm-hmm. this, they did this study, the paper that was acclaimed for the most popular paper over the course of eight years. but they also have data going up to fifteen plus years, right? Mm-hmm. Out of one hundred and eighty six patients seventy seven percent achieved remission if they had been diagnosed with type two less than one year, thirty five percent one to five years, thirty one percent six to ten years. Here's a little little stat thing here forty four percent went up 11 to 15 years. 15 plus years was still at 21%. Wow. uh, Excuse me, 20%, an overall average of 51% achieving remission. Yeah. My dad fell into this category. He had diabetes for so long. He he was at the point with his diabetes that he required insulin, multiple Mm -hmm. injections a day, up to 120 units. If
1: you remember back to when he was having those conversations with his doctor who was managing his medications, there probably was not all
0: 17 of them.
1: Yeah. There probably wasn't a whole lot of talk about reversal at
0: that point. Was there like none. getting off of the medications? Yeah, none. It was all about management and he, yeah. he would, he would have this struggle where he'd have his VA doc, he'd have his enterologist. He'd have a celiac doc. This is how he talks about it. He has mm-hmm. his primary care. And I mean, it, when he gave me his original medication list, I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, do these doctors talk?
1: yeah 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 like that can be a big
0: part of the problem and he always had severe leg pain he's got arthritis well he started coming off some of the meds after his he started losing some of the weight and you know all those symptoms went away to this to dr unwin's patient's point hey i never knew that there was another option so the mindset here the results are incredible the mindset here shift tommy that you were you were alluding to or i had already mentioned about that demotivation right like Mm like just, I'm stuck with this. So I guess it's, I'm going to never be able to eat bread again, or I'm going to have to, I'm never going to be able to enjoy whatever Frappuccino latte thing from Starbucks (laughs) or a muffin Um, because a a regular muffin, a blueberry muffin because of the sugar content. Yeah, It speaks to that point counting calorie counting, sugar-free diabetic friendly Mm. candy. That's laden with 26 net carbs, 26 grams of sugar alcohols, go read the reviews on some of those products. People are like, does anyone want to tell me that this has a laxative effect? Yeah, it does. It alters Uh your digestion. It alters the gut biome. It alters all of that stuff. So rather than like, again, thinking proactively and coming up with a solution to fix the problem we're looking for, and this is why I love that his wife focuses on the sugar addiction, food addiction type, type part of this is that instead of looking for the Hershey's kiss or. You know, gummy bear, sugar free gummy bear, the, mm. the sweet or the, the replacement, right? The swap, yeah, yeah. which doesn't change the behavior. We're actually looking at the cause. Like, why are your lifestyle habits this way? And why mm. has your body responded in a way to then be blood sugar, insulin resistant, blood sugar elevation, leading to prediabetes, diabetes, and then the whole host of other things that come along with that?
1: And maybe could we actually make some inroads and start breaking those cycles rather than finding some of the replacement foods? Like most of the diabetics that I know, I have several in my family, close friends and, 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 and in my network, there's a lot of talk and almost obsession over ways to make things like baked goods or find the candies and things like that, that kind of check the right boxes. The malatols,
0: the, yeah. the yeah the sugar alcohol family all mm-hmm. of like what ingredient can i swap can i make sure. the, yeah. the pancake bake with this instead and then if you've ever yeah. used almond flour you're going well that's not a one-to-one ratio never yeah, mind this then- almond flour is still carbohydrate heavy but oh anyway. man and some of the
1: the syrups, like okay, so yeah, and then I'm making these these swaps for pancakes or waffles or whatever, and then I have like the sugar free syrup, which tastes like to my brain like the sweetest thing I've ever I can ever even imagine. But at the same time, it's zero sugars or it's it's 40 grams of sugar alcohols or whatever. It's crazy stuff that that starts to come in. Like I would much rather we see much much better results as we start to work on. The actual mindset of, you know, what a good food looks like. What does nutritious food look like? How do we actually control blood sugar swings and then allow a little bit of room as we start to make progress and we start to get the weight off and things like that, make a little bit of room for some of those things, you know, that we really want without trying to fit everything in.
0: So this study, their low carb definition was less 130 Mm -hmm. grams of carbohydrates. That's not bad. That's doable. That's incredibly doable. It's sustainable without being long-term
1: demotivating, which is one of the problems for most of the diabetics that I know is you start to get things under control, but you got all these swaps and fake foods and, and things like that. And it feels like, man, I, I just don't know how long I can actually do this for. I feel like I'm walking a, a tight rope well, here, right?
0: Yeah, 130 grams though. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not talking very low carb, yeah. but one not piece keto. of bread yeah. has 14 carbohydrates. That's 10 pieces of bread? Yeah. Like we're thinking about this a little bit wrong. Yeah, This, and again, those results, Tommy, were without fasting, without True. time-restricted TRE, without time-restricted eating, allowing insulin to come down. So if you go yeah. Google a diabetes-friendly grocery list, I mean, we're still talking, you know, six to eight servings of grains a day. So that'd be 10, what I say, 10 pieces of bread? No, it'd mm-hmm. be six to eight pieces of bread. So, I mean, let's just, I don't know, reduce that by two. <laughs> it, this big overhaul doesn't necessarily need to take place that feeds into yeah. the dieting mindset and that demotivation of, well, I guess mm-hmm. I'm just stuck with this forever or I'm never going to be able to enjoy the X, Y, or Z thing again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great point because if I plan for, like, hey, I'd like to eat a, a sandwich, you know, every day for lunch, you know, that's okay. And it doesn't have to be fake bread. It doesn't have to be highly engineered bread either. At the same time, if I find ways to like, Quote unquote, sneak in that bread. Like I get the fake bread and it's, it's less net carbs. And, you know, it's not really fake, right? But it's just more engineered, more processed. Mm -hmm. And then so I can fit in a few more of those slices. But then I also do the same thing with maybe my, maybe a cereal or a cereal bar or, you know, some yogurt that's in the fridge or, you know, something else where it's like I have more and more and more of these carbohydrates coming in, but every single one of them is a way that I can bring in more than the more natural source of it. And then now I'm chasing after these A, blood sugar swings, B, cravings, and then C, eating opportunities that remind me and that just drive those cravings towards these things more and more times during the day. I'd be much better off having a real sandwich with some real bread that I like. And some in the real quality of, the day. of life. Yes. And just not thinking about my next opportunity to have one of these fake baked goods because i need the sugar hit because right. i've just been stoking fire this whole time right
0: so a couple of really cool things that this study adds to the current research that's out there we know sugary and starchy foods worsen blood glucose so a low-carb diet is a logical first step okay first sure. advice on ongoing guidance excuse me on a low-carb diet in primary care can achieve improved diabetic control for 97 percent of those interested in the approach wow. this was sustained for 33 months That's the longest sustaining we've seen habits Mm -hmm. take a while to build. We're not all motivated, disciplined beings when it comes to our relationship with food. So those patients who started younger and lower A1C were far more likely, right? This is the coolest one. Those in non-remission, the mitigation group received unexpectedly greater clinically important improvements in diabetic control. Wow. Like, okay, maybe you're the 20 year group and you're not Going to be able to r- gain remission in 33 mm-hmm. months, you're yeah. going to have an incredibly better quality of life and less medications required. That's for dang sure. Yeah. Never mind. Let's start. Of, yeah, yeah. Of the disease actually turning into the exactly. death sentence, yes. right? And then some things that they take away is on how they're hoping this will impact further research is 77% of those adopting a low carb approach in the first year of their type 2 achieved remission. Mm. So this is this is window of opportunity conversation that we can have. And, you know, people that have long-term poorly controlled will absolutely benefit by reducing sugar and starchy vegetables. So we usually recommend about 20% carbohydrate, like a 40, Mm. 40, 20 split. And that's in our our blueprint to fasting for fat loss as well. And the idea here is when you reduce carbohydrate intake, you're reducing the circulating insulin, you're reducing the liver fat, you're reducing the pancreas fat, you're losing weight, you reduce Mm. your insulin resistance, you increase your insulin secretion with less fat in the pancreas, And then ultimately you reverse your type two diabetes. So big picture here, Tommy was this idea from this, the candy study where, you know, a, a 30%, excuse me, a three week carbohydrate binge or overfeeding resulted Mm -hmm. in a 10 fold greater relative change in liver fat and only a 2% change in body weight. Wow. So there are other benefits here. If that scale is not moving, which all the groups except the non-achieved group had some form of weight loss, some more than others. Hey, y'all I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code, uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night we are grateful for you listening in and now back to today's episode.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, it's interesting that you bring that up because we, we hear it all the time. It's still kind of a, a relic saying sometimes, but I still hear it, which is fat you eat makes you fat. And you know, like fat is calorically dense. So, you know, it it can be like, Oils can sneak into our foods and, you know, a higher caloric density, especially when our carbohydrates are higher, we get into the the more processed or fast foods. Those can be, those can be, you know, really tough as far as, as far as fat sources go, when we're looking at liver health and the fattiness of our liver, it's actually certain types of sugar intake that actually drives that fattiness, which is really important to understand, because like you said, even if you're not seeing the scale moving you can be decreasing or unfortunately increasing the actual overall fattiness of your liver based on your carbohydrate intake. And so then it makes perfect sense to me why this husband and wife team, she's on the food addiction side. One one line that stuck out, you know, to me in this study was we noticed a few years in a possible behavioral factor causing our patients to regain weight. It was food addiction. So in response, we supported people to identify and completely avoid their trigger foods, which I think is really interesting and is the exact opposite of what I see in a lot of the diabetic books and diabetic cookbooks and materials and things like that, which are finding ways to have those trigger foods more of the time because they're like meeting the macronutrient checkbox. They're checking the or, box. They yeah, fit the
0: point system.
1: Yes, the points are the net carbs or whatever it might be. But in fact, I'm basically triggering that same behavior, that same dopamine hit, that same craving. And I'm I'm able to do it more. That's that's not helping me with that relationship with that particular food. It's actually probably worsening it or deepening right. that dysfunction.
0: And that was something they noticed throughout the study too, is because they had all these nurse practitioners and providers in the clinics adding support, is when mm-hmm. they noticed that the numbers would go up, they found this carb creep, right? Yes. It was this carb creep snuck back in, right? And yeah. all it typically took was a phone call. So I love the system that's baked in here with Dr. Jen and her, pro- her research is you know, agreed upon goals. So we talk about having a doctor that's in your corner, having a support system that's in your corner. Mm -hmm. And then what are your resources and what's your mindset? Where are you at? Are you ready to go gung-ho? Do you need to ease into it? But setting some relevant goals and then putting the, the steps in place and then agreeing on those next small incremental steps and then reflecting on what's working and then notice those changes. Because if you don't notice the changes, then you're less likely to feel motivated to continue. Right, so we talk about taking an action, getting a result and getting motivated, not getting motivated, getting a result and then continuing to take action. So the empowering thing here that that I want everybody as we wrap up to have as a takeaway is everybody's journey is a little bit different But those core pieces, you're know, you trying to lose weight, you wanna see the needle move, you want your cravings to get better, you wanna feel motivated, then a low carb approach, or in our case, I mean, they used 130 grams, but in our case, a 20% means you can still have the foods you like, right? We're not talking about the trigger foods, we're talking about foods that you enjoy. So for me, it would be a piece of my wife's homemade sourdough. It would be a half a cup of jasmine rice when we have our chicken stir fry, right? those types of things where you don't feel like you're just on this long-term demotivating, kind of heavy, I don't think I'm ever gonna get there type approach. We need to shift our mindset that this is absolutely one, preventable, two, reversible, and three, it's not gonna take this massive amount of activation energy to Mm. get there.
1: Man, I love that. You know, for me it was always like I can't imagine this hamburger and fries, well, cheeseburger and fries like being bunless and no fries, you know? But at the same time, when you have something that's more sustainable, what that can look like is taking away the bun, which doesn't really add to my experience anyway, it just makes me feel like trash afterwards, but leaving some of the fries me you know, having a few less, but I can still enjoy those fries, which was much more enjoyable for me than the bun. But when I used to think about it as more of an on off switch, I didn't really see that as like a potential solution in, in that, you yep. know, in that that situation because it's a meal that I enjoy and I wouldn't want to just, you know, like not ever have that. And so if you see yourself, if you think in the long term diet mentality or the longer term diabetes mentality, where you go, okay, well, but what about that group that you mentioned that was like 20% or 21%, you know, mm-hmm. effective. And then you go, okay. So they had a lot of benefits, like you said, but it wasn't necessarily that they had diabetes remission, but at the same time, they were doing reasonably controlled carbs on a long-term basis. And the cool thing is they had another big lever to pull there. So like actually focusing- Yeah. So once they actually made those beneficial improvements to their diet, I would intervene and say, well, now it's time to step up or start to implement time restricted eating and time restricted feeding at that point. And it's going to be much easier to implement at that point. Once you have some of those dietary and food relationship things, you know, maybe not under control yet, but it's a work in progress. Yeah. You're aware of it. Exactly. Now let's go pull this other, you know, very very powerful lever over here and start doing some more fasting to put those things together and I think we would immediately see an uptick in the efficacy for all of the groups here because they're still following like, you know, standard dietary intake just ad, just ad libitum just whenever throughout the day just controlling for the carbohydrates mostly.
0: It's so incredibly that's why I love this study so much because yeah. it is the support system, it's the collaborative effort, it's the fact that it is doable. It has been shown to be done, even in not, in our opinion, the most ideal situations, you know, without fasting and probably, you know, I didn't look at, you know, line item by line item of what they were eating. Right. But they just had these categories of macro breakdowns to follow. Yeah. And we can make some really big change by just honing in on a few of those. And like you said, Tommy, having those multiple levers. Yeah. It doesn't have Um, to be perfect. Right. It just has, you just have to make, take consistent action with it. Yes. And it is absolutely possible. And we, you know, we've talked about other studies on the show where, you know, we will see other metabolic changes, right? Like the blood mm-hmm. sugar will come down. The insulin, fasting insulin number will come down, triglycerides yeah. will go down, HDL CRP. will go up, yeah, CRP inflammation, all of those other things as well. So we're talking about a massive improvement in our quality of life also. So if you are in this group, if you've been thinking about low carb, if you're getting back on the horse, you know looking to level up and finally make that long-term change. Don't be demotivated by the big picture. Really just focus on that next simple step, like Dr. Jen has in her protocol. Those next simple things you can do. So set your fasting timer, make one better decision on your plate, and it is going to absolutely work for you. So Tommy, if they want more support, they can head to the show notes. They can click the link for the fasting for life community. And you yes. can always keep a lookout for our upcoming seven-day master your fasting challenges. If you're looking for additional help or coaching in the area with diabetes or diabetes reversal, please feel free to reach out to us at info at Mm thefastingforlife.com. Tommy, as always, appreciate the conversation, sir. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So
1: you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results
0: and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free fast start guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.